This is Walker McKibben. Welcome to our Jamie McKibben Outdoor Show. We continue to honor the memory of my dad and his contagious passion for hunting, fishing, and everything outdoors. Over the next hour, you will hear from my dad's friends and colleagues as they reminisce about their experiences with him in the woods, on the water, and in the bleachers watching me play. Y'all close them eyes. This is. Let's go there in our mind. The Jamie McKibben Outdoor Show. Hunting, fishing, and loving every day. That's the prayer this country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting, fishing, and loving every day. Uh, joining me live in studio, let's uh, start from my right, and you're going to have to pull that microphone in front of you. Uh, my right will go uh, right to left here. Introduce yourself and uh, let me know how long you've known Jamie McKibben. Good morning, Scott. Uh, Mark Bacon. Gosh, I've known him for oh, over 20-some years. He was, I think, in his late teens when I met him. All right. Swing that right on over there. Uh, I'm Marshall Johnson, and uh, I met Jamie oh, back in 2004, I think it was, up at Shoepeck Sporting Goods. I met Jamie in the 90s when we shot bow way back in that um, bow tournament that he won at one time. Uh, I'm Ron Cochran, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. And uh, I started doing stuff with him when uh, we both bought fishing boats in about 2003. Uh, so there's there's a lot of friendship sitting around this table, to say the least, and uh, years of friendship here. I, I, first off, I want to thank you guys for, for being willing to come on in here and do this. Uh, you know, Mark, you and I have talked before. I've talked with a lot of his friends, and this is uh, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think we owe it to Jamie uh, to just kind of talk about the legacy that he left here with the Jamie McKibben Outdoors show. One of the things that he did, and, and one of the things that uh, you can't see as you're, you're listening in your car, or maybe you're at home, or maybe you're listening back to this uh, uh, on one of the podcasts, but the thing that you can't see here is the diversity in age, and that's been an ongoing theme when talking about Jamie McKibben and talking to all of his friends. So what I wanted to do here uh, with you guys is share with you an interview that I conducted with Tapio Knutson and, and his fiance. Now, we've heard the story about the engagement, you know, true love, I guess, being proposed to in front of a pile of dead ducks. <laughs> uh, but I think it speaks to where Tapio is at in his life now. I think for you guys, you're going to hear an awful lot of Jamie when you first met him. So here's the first part of this interview with Tapio Knutson and his fiance. I'm Tapio Knutson. Um, I've known Jamie McKibben pretty much my whole life. He's always been around my family's store, Knutson Sporting Goods. Um, always done. He's always done the radio show with my dad on Saturday mornings while my dad's been a part of it. And uh, it's definitely something that I will miss. And I'm Amanda Anderson. Um, I met... Jamie, about the time that Tapio and I started dating, probably three and a half years ago, um, he's just been such a big part of Tapio's life, so I met him, you know, right away. And who wants to tell me the proposal story, just so we can get a little background here? <laughs> well, when Amanda and I first started dating, she was into hunting somewhat, um, and 
she was more into deer hunting than anything, but I'm a big waterfowl hunter. And so I got her out a few times and then pretty quick she fell in love with it just like me. And now I can't ever go without her pretty much. So I took her to North Dakota this fall. Jamie's actually been in North Dakota with, with us a few times. And I decided that's where I was going to ask Amanda to marry her. So one day out on one of my favorite places that we hunt, we shot some ducks and my cousin with, was with us. So I got down on one knee and asked her to marry me in front of a pile of ducks and my cousin took our picture and <laughs> that's how it went. Is that how you pictured it, Amanda? Is that, I mean, as a young lady growing up, as a, a small <laughs> to yourself, I hope some to be asked to be wed of dead ducks. Honestly, I figured that I would get engaged in a hockey rink, but I mean, I guess I never had the traditional proposal on my brain. I knew I wanted to be in camo and in waders, and that's how it happened. <laughs> Tapio, you've you've known Jamie McKibben as the guy who hung around hung around the store, the 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 friend of your dad's, to. On probably, I think it was the first waterfowl trip he went out to North Dakota. Was it 2015 that he went out with you? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was back that to back years. Right. It was 2015 and, and maybe 2016. Yeah, I think that sounds right. But would you say that that trip was where you guys, the first one was where you, you really struck up your friendship with Jamie? Yeah, definitely. I would say so. So when we go on those trips, it's usually a lot of older guys and me, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle. And they don't care as much about uh, actually going out and hunting as, as I do. And when I'm out there, I want to hunt and be successful. And Jamie was the same as me. So that's him and I went quite a few times that week just by ourselves because we wanted to go hunting. And I think it was actually one of the first days we were out there. Him and I went by ourselves, and we shot a, a banded redhead, which was pretty cool. They, they capture the birds, and then they put a band on it. And that was the first band we'd ever killed out there. And uh, and he shot a swan that day, too. We can get swan tags out there. So that was just, just me and him, one of our first hunts together, and it was just one that sticks in my head, probably will forever. So there you heard a little bit about Jamie McKibben. Uh, from Tapio Knudsen's perspective, about Jamie on a hunting trip, about being that go-to guy to actually that wanted to be there to hunt. So I'm I'm going to pose it to the the three guys we've already met. We've had a fourth join us here who's very close to this situation, but was that indicative of Jamie on, on a hunting trip whereas I imagine there was a little more hey, let's have some drinks, let's cook this up, let's do that and where was Jamie always let's go, let's go. Like I was like I was telling uh Mark and Ron earlier, uh way I look at Jamie and Bud. Bud was the same way. That's why they mix so well together. They were like two kids at Christmas time all the time when they were out hunting. I mean, they were ready to go and everything excited them. They were they were lucky enough to carry that through their whole life where they never got tired of doing anything. Everything was always exciting for them. Well, there's a, uh, Ron, I know you've been on several hunting trips with yeah, Jamie. Yeah, I got a story to say about that one. I got a story to say about that one. Um, we're driving down the road in Jamie's brand new truck, and Jamie said, Red Bull, it gives you wings, and kind of like a toast. And then he looks over to me and kind of winks, and we look at each other, and then about the instant we turn around and look at where, where we're going, wham, 
we hit a deer. Brand we, new, brand new truck, brand new F one fifty. Yeah, we gorgeous. Didn't, we didn't know if we run over somebody. We didn't know what happened because we looked up and didn't see anything. All we felt was the concussion of that deer hitting the truck and the thumping as we drove over top of it. We got back. We turned around because he could drive it. We turned around and went to the Ford dealer, and they wouldn't work on it. And Jamie's like, well, let's just dump this truck off because we were across the street from the hotel. Let's dump this truck off at the hotel. We'll call the tow truck. We, we got to get in your Jeep, Ron. We got to go hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else get the picture of Jamie holding the Ford emblem yeah. and the deer? Yeah. Via I'm going text. to ask him if he tagged it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we got to go hunting. The heck with this smashed up truck. <laughs> we got to go hunting. Um, late joiner here to the program, but I was really, I'm glad you could make it. Someone that's very close to the interview that we're, we're listening to. Uh, with Tapio and Amanda, it's Tom Knutson, Knutson Sporting Goods. Good morning, Scott. It's uh, the, uh, Tapio and Jamie on that first hunting trip. How how was it as a dad to watch those two go out? Oh, it's been fun to watch Tapio. I mean, grow up and, and become the hunter and fisherman that he is, the outdoorsman. I mean, he's far surpassed me, and I thought I was crazy about it. Um, but he's far surpassed me. His group of friends, um, and I think it's because of Jamie, I think his group of friends is is vast who hunt and fish. Um, you know, Jamie, you know, I remember on that trip, Jamie didn't care about, you know, relaxing and going with the, the farmers, having a you know cocktail afterwards. You know, he did. I mean, don't get me wrong, because he understood that part of it. Um, but... Him and Tapio were just unbelievable. I mean, up, crack of dawn, and gone. I wanted to talk to you about this dad-to-dad. I understand that there was a point where Tapio, as a very young man, I want to say 11 or 12 years old, from what uh, we were talking about, but you knew Jamie's friends, and Jamie wasn't even going out on this particular trip, but they were going out and, and doing, was it fishing, Mark? What was it that you guys were doing? Snow goose hunting. Snow goose hunting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. He was, he was, was probably it? 16, 17 then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was probably graduated high school. Okay. I think that was one of his first, yeah. Yeah, he didn't know anybody. He knew nobody. Nobody. But you were comfortable enough to say to your son, hey, Mark Bacon and the crew are going to be heading out snow goose hunting. Yep. You should go with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he wanted to do it. Um, we, I'm always busy. It doesn't matter when, I mean, time of year, I'm always busy. Um, I've chased enough snow geese that I said, have fun. <laughs> Again, I'm not mad at them. The whole, my whole thing of not being as mad at them you know, as at the game as, as everybody used to be, um, that I used to be. Um, and Tapio, he, he, he was, you know, he's always got duck and geese on the brain and he wanted to go. I said, go. So you sent him out there with Mark Bacon yeah. and, and Mark, you didn't know this kid. You had no idea who he was, but the reason I bring it up is at that age, 16, 17, 18 years old, Tapio is kind of the avatar in that time period for the way most of you, the age and the passion that most of you met Jamie McKibben. Right. Yeah. Did you see, do you see that same hunger, that same passion in Tapio oh, at that absolutely. time? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's even the respect fact like i didn't know tom that well either and he really didn't know me but we both knew jamie 
and he knew that he's going to be comfortable. I'm sure he asked Jamie, hey, is this guy all right? And because Absolutely. we're friends with Jamie, um, and then the same thing with Tapio. You know, I hunted with him a couple times around here, but didn't know him that well. But it's just bringing those younger generation on, and Tapio fit in great. Uh, Marty was with us, too. Yeah. What did you think of that, uh, Marty? What did you think of this this uh, young Knutson kid coming on out there and joining the snow goose hunt? Well, there's nothing better than getting somebody young out in the outdoors. That's the that's the thing to do. There was, you know, it was great to see him go. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever met Tapio. Was yeah. he around the same? When did you first meet Jamie McKibben? Uh, in 2004, I okay. started shooting archery up there at Shoepex with him. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, we had a we had a blast that weekend. That's the weekend I picked up my dog too. Yep. Was was oh, yeah. is there anybody yeah, sitting here other you. than than maybe Tom that? Didn't meet Jamie at the archery leagues? <laughs> no, probably not. me. Well, I know. Other you ever seen me shoot a bow or talk about a bow? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you ever seen him shoot a bow? That's the question. What's it going to take to get you out to the archery league uh, there at Shoepex? Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know my limitations. I, I shoot ducks for a reason. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's got a big pattern. Uh, single projectiles i've learned that when i was a kid shooting a bb gun i can't shoot straight <laughs> <laughs> so we're listening to little snippets of an interview i conducted very early in the month i want to say it was around january 3rd or 4th with tapio and soon to be amanda knutson uh, i guess in 2022 is when that yeah, that's what it happen. sounds like they're starting to narrow down time and uh we're we're kind of reminiscing about jamie mckibben we've got mark bacon uh marty johnson we've got ron cochran and tom knutson live in studio here live on wkhm jackson's news talk 970 am 101.5 fm and fox sports 101.9 we take a quick break we come back with more of the jamie mckibben outdoor show tribute show next Good morning. Welcome back to the Jamie McKibben Outdoors Show, WKHM, Jackson's News Talk, 970 AM, 101.5 FM, and Fox Sports 101.9 FM here in Jackson. Uh, we are in part four of what now is going to be a five-part tribute series uh, towards uh, Jamie McKibben. Next week, we'll focus more on Jamie McKibben, the family man. But uh, right now, it seems like we've moved the archery desk from Shupex Sporting Goods or maybe the bait room from Knutson Sporting Goods <laughs> here into the, the WKHM studios. And uh, we got a great group of guys here. My left uh, to right, we've got Tom Knutson of Knutson Sporting Goods, Ron Cochran, Marty Johnson, and Mark Bacon, all of whom have been out uh, hunting with Jamie McKibben and uh, experienced the outdoors in one way or another, whether it, it be... Uh, North Dakota trip, whether it be on the water or whether it be uh, waking up in the morning and heading out to different tree stands. You guys have been there with them. Uh, we're, we're listening bit by bit to an interview that I conducted with Tapio Knudsen, Tom's son. Uh, how old is Tapio now? 20, will be 26. 26 years old. Um, and uh, he and his uh, fiance Amanda are, are wonderful outdoors people. And he shared with me a story about Jamie McKibben uh, on one of those trips to North Dakota. And hear that. Here's that. <laughs> Another funny story is uh, it was that same hunt, but a different day. We were hunting together, and Jamie had to go to the bathroom. And so he turned around and went to the bathroom, and all of a sudden a flock of geese flies over. And 
he still had his gun in his hand and his pants down around his ankles and he was he was shooting at these geese. <laughs> and I don't think he hit him, but I think he hit himself with uh some of his bathroom and <laughs> kept saying he smelled like pee the rest of the day. <laughs> that will make the cut. That story will I have make the never cut. heard that story. I forgot about it until All right, right now. so here we go, gentlemen. Uh, I believe during the break we were talking about just kind of these kinds of stories with Jamie. So I'll leave it open to you guys. Uh, what was it? Well, every morning at the boat launch, he was like clockwork. I mean, he would back the boat up. We would be unloading the boat as Jamie's heading for the bathroom because he knew he had to go before he got out in that boat. <laughs> so, so it's almost like our relaxed time. It's like, okay, rush, 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 hurry up, get the boat in the water. And it's like, okay, now we can sit back and enjoy the morning and we get to go fishing and relax for a minute because Jamie has his 15 minutes. <laughs> and or sometimes a half an hour. So then, you know, it was all it was whenever we were with Jamie, it didn't matter where it was, everything was relaxed. Um, you know, it, it it wasn't sometimes you go with people and it's like mass confusion or somebody's got a bummer attitude or something like that but it wasn't that way with jamie he was always ready to go let's listen to I, a little bit but go ahead mark i was just gonna I, I, you would think with hearing that story about jamie that he would have had a little bit more mercy on mark one time mark uh, bacon and jamie and myself were out uh saint joe's i think it was it was early in the spring it was cold and and rainy and windy and rough and i don't know uh, maybe Mark grabbed a couple of enchiladas from the gas station or something on the way out there. <laughs> uh, we're out in the boat, and Mark's pacing back and forth. I think he pretty much was in labor back there. <laughs> He's pacing back and forth. I told, told him to Jamie, I says, man, we should take him in. He's suffering back there. He goes, nah, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Keep, and we were just hammering the fish, and he got to the point where Mark couldn't. I was driving the boat, and Mark couldn't even fish anymore. He's just—you can see him back there. He's looking for wet wipes, napkins. He's—I he, see him <laughs> staring at my stocking cap and my mittens and stuff. <laughs> finally, he just—and Jamie, he's like, "No, we don't need to take him in." And finally, he Mark lets out a growl and he jumps. Ah, that's it. And he jumps to the back of the boat and whips his pants down. <laughs> And I don't know what it is, but the fumes from the back of the boat always come in when you got the cover up. <laughs> I can see Jamie back there. He's got his head turned. He's trying to find a spot to stick the fishing rod he had in his hand. And I'm up there unsnapping the cover trying to get my head out. And Jamie comes running up there, and I'm through there. Me and him both are small guys, you know. But uh, he's trying to squeeze up through that curtain to get air with me and I, I told him you always looked like a saint bernard trying to come through the cat door he's got his head pressed up against my chest trying to get it up <laughs> yeah poor mark that, that's one thing he always forgot the bucket yeah so it was off the back of the boat but uh to bring that up at least i didn't do it on the drift sock like <laughs> Jamie did. Asked before. Yeah. yeah i bought a new drift sock after that <laughs> Well, one of the things that uh, he, he did talk about an awful lot, and I've heard it from a bunch of his friends, and, and, and Tapio mentions it as well, is uh, I believe it was the time he went out with you, Tom, 
uh, Tom Knutson live in studio as well. And uh, Jamie looked at the water and said, it's a little too rough, guys. Are you sure you want to do this? It's the one and only time I went uh, salmon fishing with them. Okay. Yeah. Tapio, um, Dave, my brother-in-law, Dave Springer, who you know became great friends with Jamie, and Dakota Springer, who's out in North Dakota with where Tapio's been, where we all hunt. Um, Dave and Tanya live uh, just south of Ludington in New Era, Rothbury area, so it was no problem to run up to Ludington for a morning, and we were visiting my sister, and you say, hey, you know, come on up, we're up, and let's go fishing. So we meet, the four of us got up, I think it was a Sunday morning, um, Saturday morning, either either one, and we got there, and it was it was choppy, nothing serious, but it was, I mean, it was going to be a little rough, and he knew it. And uh, he uh, he said, "You want to go?" Yeah, you know, he gave us every option to get out, and Tapio was going. I mean, there there was just no you weren't going to stop him. And Dakota, yeah, he's all in. And Dave and I go, well, whatever, we go. It's no big deal, you know. And if it gets too rough, we'll just come right back in. So we got out there, and Jamie says, "Okay, I'm going to set the rods. Who wants to to drive the boat?" And I'd already been through enough waves and have done enough fishing that I said. I got the I got the boat. I said that way I can look forward and that fresh air can hit me in the face. <laughs> and it's we were out there probably for about an hour and we we caught a few fish. And next thing I know, I look back and Dakota's laying on the floor. And I said, Dakota, you gotta get up. I said, and look forward. No, no, I gotta lay down. I gotta lay down. And next thing you know, there's Dakota over the side, just yeah. letting it all go. And then next thing I turn around. And yeah, Jamie, he's just trying to not laugh, and I'm just keeping forward and getting that fresh air. And then I turn around, and there's Tapio on the other side, letting it all out. And that's not nothing unusual because Tapio's got a really weak stomach. So you got two kids on both sides letting it go. And then I turn around, and there's my brother-in-law right out the back. <laughs> and Jamie and I are looking at each other. He goes, "Should we go in yet?" I said, "No, not yet." <laughs> well, I got to tell you, that's not the way Tapio tells it. Here so it then is. Last summer, I had uh, my buddy from Germany come over. He was an exchange student when I was in high school, and uh, I asked Jamie if he could take us out salmon fishing because. Uh, my buddy Cornelius, he's a big-time carp fisherman over there, but he's never done any salmon fishing. And he said, oh, yeah. So he took us out, and it was a lot calmer that day. And it was a good day. We caught a lot of fish, and Cornelius had a great time. You didn't mention the part where I got left at home. <laughs> but I'd like to hear about that. <laughs> well, I was invited on this fishing trip, and we drove up to Tapio's aunt and uncle's. They live in Shelby. Um, and stayed the night, and we took my Jeep, and we were going to go out on the sand dunes as well while we were up there. And I'm not sure what happened. We, you, Jamie ended up taking a smaller boat. We ended up going with one of Jamie's buddies that was up there, and his boat was a little— it wasn't smaller, but it wasn't designed to have more than four people. So Amanda didn't end up going, but Jamie did say, he said over and over again that the next day we could all go again and he would take Amanda so she could go out and we didn't end up doing it because we didn't have time but he was he wanted to make sure that Amanda could go out so the reason I play that is I I wasn't even an outdoorsman friend with Jamie McKibben but when I'd go out in the community and I'd run into the Bob Richardson of the world or I'd run into several other people they would look at me and say when you see Jamie remind him he owes me a trip on Lake Michigan <laughs> Am I the only one that hears that out of this group, or do you guys? How, how many? How many people do you think he owes a trip to? 
Oh, he always wanted All of to. All still. I mean, he, 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 a lot of it is just so he could find somebody to fish with. I yeah. think that got him going. Uh, we got another uh, little clip here that I wanted to play with you guys. And it, it, it really has to do with the value uh, of Jamie's friendship uh, with, to Tapio. So here it is. As far as connections go, something uh, uh, your dad, Tom Knutson, alluded to earlier, uh, particularly with the, the Dakota trips, was Jamie's ability to have a conversation with anyone. One of the biggest things that uh, stuck out to me with Jamie and I was always in awe of was how many friends he had that were so much older than him, like like Bud. And to me, that just that takes a, a special person, all them... It means that Jamie must have been more mature than his years, and uh, that the old his older friends definitely uh, respected him. And then if you take that the other way, um, when Jamie and I started becoming friends, that meant a, a lot to me because Jamie had so many older friends, and now Jamie being older than me, and I was he called me his friend. So it just it was a big thing that I saw in him. The value of his friendship uh, was tremendous, and, and and I alluded to this with you earlier, Ron, uh, that uh, to put it in, in, in a vernacular that, that fits right with you, you're an electrician by trade. Yeah. And uh, you've, you've got the box that, that the entire house runs on, okay? All, all, everything, all the power goes right to that box, and it's distributed throughout the house. And what I've kind of picked up is, and when I look in this room too, you all know one another. Uh, you've all been out on the water together. But would I be wrong in saying that if it, if it wasn't for, for Jamie being that, that conduit, the box that extended to all these different people, he, he connected so many people together that there's, there's friendships that are still still alive, still still vibrant, and they wouldn't be were it not for him bringing all those those lines together. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he got me to Kansas. He got me to Iowa. Um, I only went to Iowa with him uh, two times, but when he was really, really young, I think it was around his early 20s, he went out to Iowa all by himself and uh, was in a restaurant and met a guy, and uh, the guy was a road commission guy, and the guy said he was a talker, just like Jamie. And he says, what are you doing here, boy? And Jamie told him he was in camo and everything, and Jamie told him what he was doing, and then this guy started telling him all about the hunting places that he could go because this guy was a native to that area. So Jamie made a friend over there, and Jamie made it a point to every three, every third year when he went to Iowa, he looked that guy up and had breakfast with him. I had breakfast with him twice. I don't even remember his name, but Jamie made it a point to go have breakfast with that guy. I mean, we could go out there and then go home and, you know, nobody would ever known we were there, but Jamie had to make it a point, but I got to have breakfast after we go hunting with my buddy. And, uh, so every third year, that's what he was doing. And he that was where, you know, like what you're saying is Jamie being a hub to, you know, what you're doing. 
It's like here we are out in Iowa, and Jamie has to have uh, a. Bre- I mean, it was fun. Jamie has breakfast with a guy that he only meets every three years, but it was important to him that he did meet that guy and have breakfast with him. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but Jamie had those kind of mental reminders with all of his friends. Um, you you talked, Mark, about uh, Jamie you coming back from Ohio uh, with walleye. And, man, you went two and a half hour, hours out of your way to get uh, Greg Green. Oh, Greg Green, yeah. Some walleye. Yeah. Um, there, there's something about him that just made him think, I haven't checked in with that person. i got to do that right now. Yeah, he was, uh, just like you said, with all of us, uh, that's how I met Marty. Um, you know, I was at Ludington, we were fishing. He came with Bud, and I was up there with Jamie, and we jumped on, all jumped on the boat. And uh, uh, probably wasn't my best experience with Marty and Bud. I think they were wrestling in the back of the boat by the end of the night. But we had a good time fishing, and, you know, I think Ron uh, had to take Marty away from the flay house, too, Um uh, cleaning the fish marty was showing him how to clean a fish and i think jamie took the sprayer and gave uh, marty a shower that night too do you recall any of that marty uh, yeah a little bit of it the, the shower was kind of shocking <laughs> i was only trying to show ron how to fillet a fish and when you're drunk me and me and bud were overserved. It was, it was mark and jamie's fault mostly we were overserved. <laughs> but it was a blast we had a good time next morning was rough uh, am I wrong in thinking that it was after Jamie won the world, uh, he ran into you, Ron, and you weren't going to have a shot, but <laughs> he was able to make sure that you did and yeah. had several. Yeah, it was. he said, it's time to celebrate. So I ended up celebrating, and then I ended up being the one to hurt. But, you know, it, it, what, Jamie wasn't all about that drinking stuff. I mean, that stuff hardly ever happened. We went out to Iowa, and that whole nine days we were there, I think he took two beers with him and drank them. I took a six-pack, and we brought three beers home. So it, it wasn't about, you know, all that either. You know, so, I mean, sure, everybody celebrates sometimes, but the thing that Jamie was there for was to relax, get up and go hunting, Go back to the hotel, get something to eat, or go back to the hotel, relax, get up and go hunting. Relax, get up and go hunting. It wasn't about anything, you know, it was about relaxing and being in the woods every minute you can. Just like when, you know, we smashed the car. It's like, let's dump this car. We got to go hunting. I'm sitting in a tree, and I'm texting Jamie, and I'm saying, Jamie, it's 20 or 30 miles an hour winds. He goes, you know, and it's like an hour before the sun's going to set, you know. And I'm goes, I've never sat in a tree with the wind blowing like this. And uh, I said, this is crazy. And he goes, well, we're here. Stay, <laughs> fasten yourself <laughs> in because we're here and we're, we're not leaving. So that's where he was. you got to be in the woods. Tom, uh, something... Uh, I was introduced to when when I worked for Knutson Sporting Goods was you talk about the the hunting and everything else that 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 was the main when I worked at Knutson Sporting Goods what amazing corpsmen are inside Knutson's for your team um, so I guess I, I'm gonna ask who was the best cook out of you guys uh, I know hunting was the biggest part and I know drinking wasn't the biggest part but there there was always the meals. 
So would you ever tap Jamie to cook? Did you cook tap him at all, Tom, on your North Dakota trip? No, uh, we usually you know have pre cooked stuff when we went out there. Um, I don't think that was Jamie's forte when he was hunting. I don't think he worried about eating at that point. Um, he he ate with us, don't you know? But we we would go out and have a couple of dinners. There was a couple of restaurants that we'd we'd uh, frequent. Um, the only thing that I ever did every year we'd do one big uh, duck feed where we. Bacon-wrapped uh, duck bites with uh, stuffed with jalapeno and uh, cream cheese, you know, grilled. Uh, I mean, they're, they're excellent. Um, there's never any left, you know, and a few duck breasts and stuff like that. So we cook a few meals. But, you know, again, usually when guys came out with us, I don't, you know, they're, they're, especially the first couple times, it's there for, for them to enjoy, not to have to work, you know, and, and do that type of stuff. So, yeah, I, I I didn't have Jamie as a camp cook, so these guys probably have a better idea on, on that. Mark, uh, as far as the elk hunts, we usually kept him away from the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and the more I think about that, I guess that makes sense because I, I, I look at you guys and I know I've seen at least two of you. He'd rope you in for the chili cook-off or he'd rope you in for the outdoors show, and there was always a breakfast being made at both of them. Um but I guess the more I think about it, Jamie was always out networking, and he left you guys to cook. Yeah, he, uh, Like you said, he always knew how to round up people for the right job. How fun was it getting together uh, with Jamie at the outdoor show and, and seeing his worlds, the worlds that, that the two worlds really, that there's three worlds he lived in. His family first and foremost, Katina and Walker. Um, and then I think right on par with one another were radio and the outdoors. So when you had that outdoor show annually, as his friends, how how was it to watch those worlds collide and, and see Jamie enjoy, enjoy the outdoors, but also be networking at the same right, time? Right, bring the two together. Um, yeah, we enjoyed helping him out with that. It was a lot of fun going out there for them and doing the shows with them. Last time I went to the outdoor show with him, we ended up drunk again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing a theme with you, Marty. It's not me. It was Jamie. <laughs> we ended up getting one of those Stormy Cromer hats. They had to order them. They sent them to us. And then a couple months later, I ended up with the Michigan Outdoor News. I didn't remember we ordered them. But it was just... Uh, I just, remember... had a good time. Loved life. It was the first time I met Bud. The first time I remember meeting Bud. And it was at a chili cook-off where he brought all you guys in to do the outdoor chili. What, weren't you, uh, were you there, Ron? I know no. you were there, Mark. Were you there, Marty? Yep. I was, well, I was at a couple of them. I don't know who, for sure. Well, they had the outdoor show chili. They wanted to do the outdoor chili, the deer chili. And uh, wherever I go, I have a bottle of water. And the home camp was that cooking station. Well, I'd come back. I was on garbage duty. I don't know if you've ever emptied garbage at the chili cook-off, but <laughs> I, I knew I made it when I was doing that. Um, but I keep coming back for my water, and every time I'd come back for my water, my water was a little more empty. It'd be a little more empty. It'd be a little more empty. And That's better than full. Finally, it was gone. <laughs> and I, I looked at Jamie and I said, did you see my water bottle? And he kind of looked around, and, and here's this guy I just met, Bud, looking kind of sheepishly. <laughs> Turns out Bud had been just dumping my water into the chili to water it down the entire time. And when I asked him about it, he said, no, I didn't do that. And then after the show, he said, oh, yeah, I was doing that. That was definitely me. What Was that kind of Bud's forte, just uh, 
quiet but impish? Uh, you pretty much hit that right on the right on the head on that one. Yeah, he was pretty quiet, um, but he he uh, I don't know how I want to say it. He uh, sneaky. I've yeah, got, yeah. I've got a sneaky. good story about buds, real <laughs> right. quick. If you want to hear, please. Me and, me and him were up in Canada one time. Uh, way up, we were walleye fishing, and uh, we happened to look over and see this big black bear standing on the beach, and it's probably about two hundred yards away or so. Buds driving the boat it was like a little aluminum rowboat motor on it. And I said, hey, drive straight at that bear. Let's see how close we can get to it, you know. And I'm thinking we get 50, 40, 50 yards from it before it took off. Well, we're driving straight at it, straight at it, and we get up. And here we are about 20 yards from the thing, and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. <laughs> this bear standing right on the beach right at the edge of the water. We get about 10 yards from it, and uh, I always keep my frying pan in my – I keep a cast-iron frying pan in my burner because we cook fish while we're, while we're fishing, you know, rather than taking shore lunch. But – uh, we get about 10 yards from it, and, and I'm nervous, and Bud thinks it's funny, so he hits the throttle, and he zooms up there, and the the boat, I'm reaching for my frying pan, because I'm figuring the bear's going to jump in the boat with us. It, <laughs> because, and that's what you greet for, is, oh, yeah. is a frying pan. <laughs> well, it was, that was all I had was that or a fishing pole. Uh, but I'm reaching for the frying pan, and when he hit the the sand, the noise of the sand must have scared the bear, and the bear jumps straight up in the air and spins around in a circle. And I just sat down. I thought, man, I was I was about ready to get eaten, but that was Bud. He was uh, he was a trip. You're listening to the Jamie McKibben Outdoor Show tribute uh, series here on WKHM Jackson's News Talk 970 AM 101.5 FM and Fox Sports 101.9 FM. We take a quick break. We come back with more. Good morning. The leaves are turning. There's a chill in the air. Campfires are burning. We're gathered round in chairs. WKHM Jackson's News Talk 970 AM 101.5 FM and Fox Sports 101.9 FM. Uh, it is the Jamie McKibben Outdoors Show, uh, part four of now a five-part tribute series uh, honoring a father, a husband, a friend, a colleague, and uh, a hunting buddy, all in in one person. Um, Tom, this is uh, this this will be something for you uh, in talking with Tapio and Amanda. And uh, Amanda told me a story about it was her first time archery hunting, and she went out on her own. And she got a deer, and she did it all on her own. She did. She did it all on her own. And one of her most vivid first memories of Jamie McKibben was the buck pole that year, where Jamie went and so enthusiastically asked her about that experience and, and, uh, and, and shared that she went and told Tapio about the, the deer in one of Tapio's first instincts was to text jamie and tapio and amanda would would wait and and amanda would say well what what did jamie say what what did jamie say about it? what did jamie say about it um i think that's that speaks volumes to the kind of guy he was tom oh absolutely i think he was gonna even come help her track the deer if she needed tracking i mean a couple of tapio's other friends helped her because literally we were sitting in north dakota um, I know exactly where we were sitting. I know, you know, when, when that phone call came and says, I got one, you know, she, she told Tapio because she'd been, she'd seen one the night before 
and uh, she thought she was in some pretty good areas, and, and the, I'm sure the rut was kicking in right about that time because it usually does when we're out there. And, uh, yeah, she she shot that deer, and she was so excited, and Tapio was excited because he was sitting next to me in the blind, you know, and he was trying to organize, you know, guys to come help her get the deer out and, and, and that type of thing. That was that was a really neat deal, and she she's a go-getter. You're not going to tell Amanda no. I mean, that's... That's the funny thing, and I feel, I mean, Tapio's got a long road ahead of him because he's got to learn <laughs> to say yes, yes, dear. <laughs> Hopefully he learned a lot sooner than most of us ever learned it. <laughs> well, maybe you can give us some lessons later. How often was he your first call, guys? We've got uh, Mark Bacon, Marty Johnson, Ron Cochran, and Tom Knudsen live in the studio. How often was he your first call or or your, your first text to notify him when, when something great happened in the outdoors? Or even beyond that. Go ahead, Ron. All the time, because he knew, he knew basically, you, you kind of communicated, you going out, Jamie? Yep. You going out, Ron? Yep. So we knew where we were hunting, each other was hunting. And so at the end of the hunt, we had to call and say how many we seen or how many we didn't get or whatever. I mean, we were always, I thought that I was the only one that he talked to. But one time when we went hunting, he said um, he always um, killed his phone. The battery would never last. <laughs> well, the reason it never lasted, because he wasn't just talking to me. He didn't wear out his battery talking to me. He was talking to everybody. <laughs> and that that's, you know, so I, I don't know. I always called and told him what I, you know, what I seen or what I didn't see and uh, I don't know. Probably the other guys were the same way. Seemed like whatever happened, it was always there was like a group of us that were all on the same message. And whenever something happened with anybody, everybody found out pretty much all at one time. Was, uh, Mark, I know he was your first call quite a bit. You two, you two uh, were on speed dial with one another, especially when it came to deer season. Yeah, I would say, but he kept to himself quite a bit. Um, there's some spots that um, even I used to hunt, um, and I didn't hunt for a couple of years, and he he quietly was talking about different spots, and then he says, uh, hey, he says, what do you think the rule should be if you don't hunt a spot for two years? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, this one spot you haven't hunted in a couple of years. And I already I had a grin on my face right then. I'm shaking my head. I already knew he's already in that spot. I said, you want to hunt it, hunt it. Do you think he was asking for uh, permission or forgiveness retroactively? I think he, I think he already shot one back there. And he, <laughs> he finally figured I was going to find out about it because he didn't even take normally i'm tracking his deer with him he's calling me well this time he didn't he got this deer of course he wants me to mount it but i'm like well, what come i wasn't gonna call on this he actually asked tim Tripp to come help him track that one forgiveness is easier than permission yeah. boy I, that's something i've heard him say more than once that's another thing you learn when you're married long enough <laughs> uh one of the things i learned from jamie mckibben about about marriage um, was, and it, it goes right along with this, Jamie would collect, some guys call it points, 
Other guys call it collateral. <laughs> Other guys call it just uh, whatever it may be. But he was always wonderful about doing so much for Katina and doing so much for Walker. And he did. I, I can't fathom how it was that he, he, he did everything that he did and still had time to do all of the outdoor stuff. But he would say to our sales team, hey, guys, when you're asking for that sale, don't ask them for the sale. Say what I say to my wife when I want to go out hunting because I've done so much here and there. I never asked her if I could go hunting. I'd say, hey, you don't mind if I go hunting, do you? <laughs> Put it on her. And then that was his way of, of, uh, of getting, I guess, quote-unquote permission to go out. But at the same time, I think it was so vitally important for him to make sure that everything was taken care of on the home front. How many of you had to wait in the driveway so that he could throw a couple more pictures for Walker before you left? Hey, everybody. Yep, I think we all have. <laughs> And the other thing would happen was uh, when you're in a hotel room or something, you know, um, he'd get this little schoolboy look on his face, and uh, he goes, uh, "I'm gonna disappear for a minute." I'm gonna, and he he'd like rub his hands together or something like that, and he'd be all excited. I'm gonna disappear for a minute. I'm gonna go talk to my wife. I got to call Walker and and Katina. So see you later. I want to play this uh, final clip here from the uh, Tapio and Amanda um, interview that I did uh, at the beginning of the month here and come back and get your thoughts right after this. Anything else you want to say about Jamie? He, so he spent a lot of times in the outdoors and he tried to get out there as much as possible, but that did not take away from how much he loved Katina and Walker and he did, he would do anything and everything for them. And the outdoors was always a part of his life, but it would never, ever come over um, Katina and Walker, that's for sure. It's funny you mention that because uh, Jamie, he would talk to the sales team, and he'd say, it's all about the way you ask. I would watch Jamie build up what I called, some people call it points, I call it collateral. He would build up collateral with Katina so that he could say to her, <laughs> he would not ask her if it was okay. He would build up collateral and then he would look at her and say, hey, you don't mind if I go fishing on Saturday, do you? He said it was all about the way you asked the question. Yeah. Did he ever teach you that? And did I just blow it in front of your no, fiance? No, not really, because <laughs> because it's pretty much I can go, but I have to take Amanda. That's that's how it goes for me. So which which isn't bad. I'll have a lifelong hunting and fishing partner for sure. So, when are you guys getting married? Um, don't have a for sure date. Okay, we're thinking somewhere in twenty twenty two. Got to plan it all around hunting season and fishing season, <laughs> and make sure all the farmers from North Dakota can come out and celebrate and COVID, but. Amanda, any any final thoughts about Jamie? Just that, you know, our lives will never be the same without him, and I think that rings true for a lot of people and the entire Jackson community. So there you have uh, the final thoughts from Amanda, and I think she summed it up pretty eloquently about Jamie having a tremendous impact on family, friends, and the community and the outdoors. <clears throat> Again, I appreciate you guys being here. Ron, um, anything else you want to say about Jamie? 
Uh, I don't know. You can't you can't put it all into words in one uh, one sentence, but um, you just can't do that, Marty. Just that uh, we're we're all lucky to know him. Uh, sad that it had to end so quick, but uh, whatever they're doing, I'm sure Bud and him are doing it together, and we'll uh, we'll see him soon. As long as they don't get kicked out first. <laughs> Marty, or excuse me, Mark. Yeah, the the two of them, I mean, it's still every day that I'm thinking about those guys, and I think we pretty much all are. Um, it's a big loss for all of us. Um, but we also got to remember they're the guys that brought us all together too. So, yeah, the two guys that we're definitely going to miss. Tom, uh, Wrapping it up with you here on what is going to be the second to the last out Jamie and Kevin Outdoors show. As someone that met Jamie as the uh, sales guy. Sales the, guy, yep. The uh, this spunky young kid coming to you and saying, hey, I got this crazy idea about doing an outdoor show. Developing a friendship. Uh both on a personal level, getting together with your families in Florida, yeah. meeting up together. Yep. And Jamie, I know, confiding in you throughout the process of buying the radio stations. And as a sponsor of this show, I know I've asked you once before, but you've had some time to think about it some more. And what is it that Jamie McKibben has left behind here for the outdoors? in Michigan, in Jackson, anywhere. It's tremendous. It's not, it's, it's going to be, the loss is going to be felt for years and years and years. Um, this show was amazing. I mean, it was, to you know, for the people of this community, it was amazing. I mean, there were guys who sit in Grass Lake, and this was one of the things I tried to do with him. There's a group of guys who sit and listen to the show in Grass Lake every Saturday morning in a pole barn having coffee, listening to our show, to his show. And I always said we just need to sneak up in there and do the show without them knowing it and just walk in and, and do a show out of, their, out of their pole barn. You know, that was one of the you know, things that we talked about. We just never got it put together. But it's going to be a huge loss. Um, the, the beauty, I think, Scott, you know, we, when you came to me that, you know, second, third day after his passing and you wanted to do an, a rush show to end it, and I said that's not going to happen. I said he deserved a lot more than that, and uh, think you did a hell of a job. Guys, I want to thank you for everything that you've done. Um, Mark, thank you for the list of folks. Uh, Tom, thank you for the list of folks. Next week on the final tributes uh, show here on the Jamie McKibben Outdoors show, uh, we're going to focus on Jamie, the husband, and Jamie, the father, and the evangelical nature of his passion for the outdoors. So we're going to close it out. Be safe out there, guys. Be good to each other. Y'all close them eyes. Let's go there in our minds. Hunting and fishing and loving every day. That's the prayer this country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting and fishing and loving every day.